Welcome to the Disciples Today podcast. I'm your host, Justin Renton, coming to you from Johannesburg, South Africa. I'm joined today by my wife and Chris and Megan Zillman. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here. Yep. Good to hear your flattened South African vowels. I know you guys recently moved to Denver, Colorado. Maybe you can you know, tell some of our listeners just a little bit about yourselves, your sort of background and how you ended up eventually in Denver. Well, my wife and I uh, have known each other since uh, she was 14 and I was 15 years old. And we went, we went to school together um, before we were ever Christians or a part, of this, a part of the church. And so we've known each other for a very, very long time. We've been friends for a long time. We were both converted in college uh, Megan uh, in Massachusetts and me in Indiana. And eventually we ended up going to school close, close to one another in Massachusetts, which is where we were really trained for the ministry and eventually put into the ministry and spent our, probably our most formative years being trained for the ministry in, in Boston. Um, from there, we moved back home towards the Midwest because that's where our family is and, uh, Worked in the Chicago church for almost almost 15 years, 14 years. Um, led a region in the Chicago church in the south in the south suburbs of Chicago where we really were very happy. We loved our neighborhood there. We loved the church there. Um, we, it was just such a sweet place to be. Um, but there was a need in, in Denver. And um, while at first I think we, we kind of resisted that, that calling, and God made it clear over a period of, uh, of a year, that it was something that we really needed to consider and he just opened door after door and eventually we found ourselves here through our prayers and through the prayers of the church in Denver and uh, we've been here for almost almost 10 months now yep. um, although about three and a half of those months have been in, in, in isolation outside. yes <laughs> <laughs> exactly so that's that's kind of in a nutshell how we got here uh, we got married in 1998 uh, right, right like two weeks after I graduated uh, college Megan had one year to go and then yep. We had our first kid in uh, 2002. So he's in a, a few months here, he's gonna he's, he's gonna be the first to fly out of our nest, and he's gonna move down to New Mexico and go to school there. So we're we're entering a new season, but we have four other kids after him, and the youngest she'll be starting kindergarten in the fall. So our nest will be quite some time still. Just coming. Our oldest, our youngest girl, is in kindergarten. So we've got four boys. We had four boys in a row, and then uh, and then we had Cora, our youngest, who's four years old. And so the age spread is uh, 18, 16, 13, 7, and four. Wow, that is a that is a big range there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's enough that we made babysitting for sure. So we were pretty we were pretty shrewd about that. <laughs> there you go. That's true. That's true. Now, you guys have been uh, married for the past 22 years. And what would you say has been just the best part about your relationship, the thing that you guys treasure about each other? And then and then the follow-on question is, what do you find has been the most challenging part? Yeah. I think, I think one of the greatest blessings is that we've just known each other for so long. And so, you know, we met when Megan was a freshman in high school and I was a sophomore in, in high school. And became such fast friends. And so we've transformed and grown and changed together. And, you know, we've kind of all of the things that we've, we've, we've gotten set in, in life and the, and the things that have crystallized in our thinking about life and and the way that we live, we've done that together. And, and so some of those compromises were, were wrought and, and formed while we were with one another. And so 
there's just there's just a depth of trust and friendship between us that has a lot to do with the fact that we've just been together since we were young. And I think that's one of the greatest blessings. Yep. I, I would agree with that. I, that was my thought too. Just the, it's been such a fun partnership, a, a fun friendship. Um, and I was thinking, you know, in the last 22 years, like I haven't had to face anything alone. I've gone through life always with Chris by my side. So highs, lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, times when we're really, you know, clicking on all cylinders, times when we're not seeing eye to eye, but we've never had to, I know there's always been such a great partnership in it. And um, I think one of the things that's brought me such comfort in that is Chris has always been, and this started as we were, as we were dating, we, we dated when we were baptized. Um, but as you can imagine, we had to make a lot of changes to our, to our dating relationship. And one of those hard changes was, was letting people in, was, you know, opening up your life to, um, to input from others, but that was one of the things Chris did then, and so this foundation I think has been built within our within our marriage. That um, I know he's going to pursue the input and advice of godly men in his life. He, he totally opens up his life, good, bad, and ugly, to other men um, to get guidance, to get direction, and that I think has made all the difference in our continuing partnership because it takes the pressure off of us to figure out our relationship completely on our own. You know, he's got his, his guys. I've got my, my women that, that can help. So I think that's, that's added to such security. I feel very secure in our marriage, and I think that's a, that's a huge reason why. I think probably one of the biggest challenges to our relationship is, is probably in the areas where my wife and I are most alike. Um, in our differences, I think we really appreciate one another. And, and the ways that we're alike is, <laughs> is where there's sometimes some issues because we're both, um, we're both extremely opinionated. And I think that we both are quick to give word to our opinions. Um, I call it conviction. I feel like I have conviction. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my um, wife would call it too. <laughs> we're, we're, and we both are very, we're, we're both very competitive. And I think along with the trust that we have one another comes the sensation that we can't move on until we're both on the same page. And so I, even as a, as a leader, as a man, I never feel comfortable making decisions that I know don't sit well with my wife. And so I feel like, okay, I'm at a standstill until my wife and I are on the same page. Um, so we really strive in that way. And, yeah. and so there's a lot of friction in those moments. I would say that my wife and I are, are very passionate about what we think. And, you know, we get solution in, in a firestorm of words and, um, you know, feelings. And yet there's, I think because there's a trust, there's always just a sense, even in the midst of that striving that, there's there's going to be a happy ending to, to all of it, but but because we're both so competitive and there's ambition and there's there's opinion there, um, um, I think that's probably the the parts in our relationship that has been the most challenging. But also, you know, the challenges are rewarding. I would say. Yeah, well, I would say too, and I'm a I'm just by nature I'm a conflict avoider, so I just want my marriage to always be easy. I want it to be always fun. I want it to always be happy and always feel good. And so, just even the fact that there is challenge, you know, I like. I'm a reader. I love to read. So I love in literature. I love the, the struggle, just kind of the nobility of the struggle. And you're with these characters. You're like, it's worth the fight. But I don't want that struggle in my marriage. I don't want that struggle in my relationships. I want the ease, you know. And so just recognizing that and not running from the conflict, not running from the fact that there are challenges. It's, it's, it's hard. And I was trying to think, like, I mean, I think we have very few points of real disagreement in marriage. But over the years, there have been a few points that we that we come back to and, and have to 
that we have to wrestle through. You know, intimacy has certainly been one as we've had so many kids and ups and downs of pregnancy and, and all of that. I think it's a constant conversation point. Um, even how, what, you know, spirituality, like, well, not spirituality, but how we kind of interact spiritually with one another is a point of, we, we, there's not a ton of real deep conflicts, but, but there are ones that we have to constantly revisit. And I, I sometimes just don't want to, I don't want to keep revisiting. And yet we, you know, we need to, we're not going to keep the good, the good that we talked about, we can't have without the, the bad. So, so. Wow. Um, it sounds very similar to us, you know, Justin and I have also been married for 22 years and, uh, we've also just so grateful for the kingdom, being able to have other people in our lives to be able to help us to navigate it. I don't know how people do it without that input, but, uh, we wanted to ask you, how have the dynamics changed with the lockdown? I know we've had to figure out, like you say, our intimacy, because initially with the lockdown, we almost became business partners because it was so many new things and now we're figuring out zoom church and we're figuring out you know the kids and they're at home and homeschooling and it just became our marriage felt like a to-do list like when we spent time it's okay have you accomplished this and have i accomplished that and it took us a couple weeks before we figured out something is not right here and we were able to talk about our intimacy and things really change so i wanted to find out from you guys how has it been with, you know, this lockdown? How has that changed dynamics in your marriage? And secondly, what has helped you through? I think one of the things that it took us a few weeks to see is that when, when the lockdown happened, you know, re, kind of retooling the church to be able to function in lockdown, everyone went into emergency mode. Not, not just us, but everybody on staff. And so it and went... in the world, really. Yeah, and <laughs> of course. Um, but it went from, you know, a, a somewhat scheduled ministry format with some amount of boundaries between ministry life and home life to all of a sudden ministry is being done all the time from morning until night as we're trying to get the church online and get everything going. And, and then on top of that, the boundaries between church and family life, which are always, you know, tenuous at best, which are, you know, there's always a, gray area there has to be overlap between ministry and family but that that overlap became so extreme it's just like you woke up in church and you went to bed in church um <laughs> and and you know obviously that that creates a, a little bit of stress and there there came a moment where we just said we just had to go okay we have to we have to now the emergency period has got to be now be over and now we have to we have to make some we have to make some pretty hard decisions about creating some boundaries, letting some plates fall and allowing our family. Yeah. Tend to our family because the kids are home too. They're not going to school. And so there was almost a sense of, well, we're around our kids. It's all good, but it wasn't, it wasn't all good because we're always busy. We're always doing something else. Every time they wanted to ask us a question or we wanted to talk to one another, we were also doing something else. And it just was the sense of another. And so we had, we had to kind of put an end to that. Um, and, and make, make more clear distinction between church life and family life. And I, I think one of the things that I, I've seen about myself as we try to adjust that is just, um, you know, it is tough because the, just the, the pressure, the, the, there's so much sadness in the world. Like even, you know, in America with, with race right now and all of the hurt and all of the feelings and that on top of everybody being in lockdown, there's, it's just been a heavy time. You know, it's a heavy, fearful, sad time. And so I think for me, I can listen to people hearts and 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 here and then a pressure builds in me and I just want to vent and 
since I'm home, I feel like I vent, I vent to Chris, I'll vent to the kids. And it's not like I'm even venting necessarily about what I'm feeling, but I'll blow up at them. Like my impatience or, you know, 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 last night we got off of this, um, this Zoom call, this diversity Zoom call. And it was just such an overwhelming day with so much to think about. So I get off, you know, this, this great call with 500 brothers and sisters from around the world. And I'm, I immediately get off and start snapping at my kids. Why didn't you do this? Why are you doing it? And, and I realize I'm taking the pressures that I feel in the world around me and, and putting them on to Chris, putting them on to my kids. Cause again, we're all, we're together. So I think that's one of the things I'm, I'm having to look at and to, to watch. Um, I don't want this time to be miserable for my family. Right. <laughs> so that's been, no, I, I, I think part of I think part of what we've had to say is we want our kids, this is going to be historic time. Like my, my son said it best. He's like, I feel like I'm living through a chapter in my social studies book. And, and, and I think I want them to remember this season, this, this, this spring and this summer, which they will tell their kids about. I, I really want them to remember it fondly. I, I want them to, I want them to think about all the time that we spent together. So we just had to be much more intentional about that. And therefore much more intentional about how we unload the anxiety, the stress, yeah. the, the overlap of work into life. And so, you know, we've, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a runner. I love to run, but I've, I've also just become a huge walker during this time. And I think one of the ways that I've had to, one of the ways that I realized I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to process more is I've never been super scheduled with my spiritual moments with God. I've always kind of just been go with the flow. And so I've, it's not like I always set aside this block of time in the morning and do everything. I, I really just, I've always done it throughout the day. And that's just kind of the way that I'm wired. But during this time, I was like, I, I have to do something different. And so it's been, it's been almost like a spiritual yeah. renaissance for me, just yeah. getting up super early in the morning, reading for hours, going for a long, like an hour long prayer walk every day before I start the day at like nine or 10 in the morning. And, you know, and so, and that has been, that has been a little bit different than what I typically do. And, you know, it's, it's changed my life in many ways. So that's been one of the ways that we've, we've had to go, okay, we've got to, we've got to do a better job of processing the anxiety and the stress. And that might seem pretty basic, like, you know, have a good time with God in the morning. But for me, I never did it quite as regimented as I'm doing it right now. I don't know. I don't know that I'll always stick with this, but this is what I've had to do for this moment in time. Yeah. I think too, Irene, you talked about having people in in, in our life, you know, the, the great blessing of the church. And I, and I do think that this is such an easy time to hide honestly like you can show up for all the zoom meetings and show up for everything that you have to be at but it can be easy to kind of to kind of hide and to not really because no one wants to jump on another zoom call to talk about your feelings <laughs> and yet that has been crucial too that's been important to not um to push past the the times of just feeling exhausted and wanting to, to hide in this to to talk through here's what i'm feeling here's where i'm struggling here's where i'm um just just to have those uh, again, I, I'm grateful that we don't have to do everything within our within our family. Like the, the 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 weight of our family being successful does not fall squarely within the four walls of our house. Um, but it's tempting to almost make it that during this time. And so I think making sure we're talking to people, we're, we are talking about the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, again, that's basic discipleship, right? Have your quiet times with God and talk to other people. But really, those have been the the, the saving graces. I think during this time for us. Yeah. You know, what's amazing is, is how similar our experience has been to you guys. I mean, you know, that when you're talking through it, it's like, it's like almost exactly what Irene and I went through in the first couple of weeks were insane, you know, and then trying to find a rhythm, trying to find a balance, you know, 
and yeah. and also thinking yep. I, I do want my kids to actually remember this time fondly uh, i don't want them to yeah. remember this as you know yep. where were mom and dad they were never around you know has there been anything yep. especially good for you guys about the last few months i mean is there something sort of that you felt wow this will be a this will be a you know something we talk about with with the kids later on i think that they're and I know we're going to talk about family in a little bit and parenting. I think one of the greatest blessings is just the time that we've all gotten together. Um, and especially my wife and I, we've never probably done this much processing of life with one another on a, on a almost hour to hour hour basis. And, and as, as difficult as that can be sometimes, I, I kind of describe the dynamic between my wife and I, where there is a lot of striving with one another. Um, and sometimes as hard as that can be, the rewards are enormous. I, I think that the way that my thinking is always challenged and the way that there's always a source of comfort in the same place during this time, um, I, 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 I typically gravitate to some of my best friends that, that are men to talk through a lot of the things that I'm going through. I have some, of the, I'm so proud of my friendships in the church and I, and I'm, I love them and I trust them. I feel like when I call, they're there. It's one of the greatest blessings of being a Christian. And yet during this time, because my wife and I are spending so much more time together, um, she has seen me in the moments where this is some of the most stressed I've ever been in the ministry. And she has seen that and she, she's had to help me process a lot of this stuff. And that, that will be something I look back on, on with this time with great affection is, is the conversations, the fights even, <laughs> Um, the, the, the making up and, um, I feel like our relationship, like I, I better understand, I've gotten to know my wife in so many more different ways during this time, even after 22 years. And so that has been, that's been an incredible blessing, um, as well as the time that we spent together just as a family, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. It's also, um, I, I know it's funny cause the whole world basically shut down together. So it just, it's, it's so unique. You know, there's, there's been hard, but there's so much about it that's pretty amazing so we're all even thinking what do we take from this time what needs to stay different and just the um this time i think has made us both question uh and evaluate our pace our pace of life because we very much like okay we, we we've got a world to save there's a kingdom that needs to be advanced there's and so we've always moved at that pace and so figuring out because that's no less true but also examining our pace of life and our, and our hurry in life and how I, I think those are things, it, again, it's, it's, it's been good for us to reflect and to kind of try to wrestle through some of these things. So again, I, it, and, and, and let me say we're blessed because we don't have health issues. We have the finances to eat as we need to eat. We, so, so I recognize that we're, we're blessed to be able to use this time to, to do a lot of this kind of processing, but I do think that's, that's, been a gift in itself to, to look at some of those things too that's awesome now do you guys have any good resources that you can point you know married couples to that that uh, that would guide them and help them you know just to strengthen their marriage yeah i think i think one of my favorites is um it's a it's a man named mark gunger and he does a series called laugh your way to a better marriage and there, there's videos that go along with some of the literature and it's really a great lighthearted, almost just a very affectionate and disarming approach to talking about some pretty hard things in marriage, including, including intimacy and just the way, the different ways that men and women think and communicate. Um, the, what goes on literally almost 
scientifically in their brains as they're, as they're processing. And so that, that's one of our, that, that's one of my favorite resources. And like I said, especially for couples who are having some, some friction that puts everyone on edge. Um, this is, this is just a great disarming lighthearted way to talk about some of those things. You find, you find couples that maybe haven't laughed together for a while laughing at themselves as they're, as they're, as they're reading and watching some of that resource. Yeah. Another, I mean, this, this isn't really, I don't think this is the answer exactly. This isn't a result, but just honestly, again, the blessing of discipling to have a consistent and, and, and it, it's not that I need someone to fix all my marriage problems, but the fact that we have built into the DNA of how we do church, the ability to sit down and talk with another couple about what's going on. It's, it's, I, I absolutely believe that's the best kind of maintenance work we can do. Um, but I also want to say, I think there are times when we need more than just maintenance work, right? Where you get, I mean, we've done ministry long enough that we know when to say to people, um, you know, it's probably time to, uh, to talk to a professional counselor who's going to be able to give you some tools to work through some of the hurts and some of the patterns and some of the past. And so um, we, we, we are deeply, we, we advocate for, for, for marriage counseling, for finding good, you know, Christian worldview counselors to help couples in their marriage. I think, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge resource well, that doesn't always get taken advantage of. And I think that what happens when people get marriage counseling is that the, the church works so, works so well with someone who's getting professional marriage counseling because that person, unlike a lot of people in the world, has a huge support net in the church to help them um, execute whatever kind of direction and input they're getting in professional marriage counseling. It can bring that back to the church and then the church and the discipling relationships and the friendships there can help be a support to the direction that they're, that they're getting where the church doesn't always have the expertise that a marriage counselor has. What it does have is the friendships and the family that uh, a lot of people who go to counseling do not have. Yeah. Right. That's excellent. That's excellent advice, I think, for all of our listeners. Um, we wanted to move on to parenting. And, you know, something I certainly want to know is how did you land on five kids? So I come from a family of eight. I'm number six yep. um, of eight. So <laughs> I, I always joke I have every syndrome, older child, middle child, younger child. I've got every syndrome there is. But um how, how did you, did you guys decide beforehand, you know, we want a big family or is it something that the Holy Spirit has just blessed you with or how did you land on five kids? Accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> we probably didn't not plan to have a big family well enough. We were perhaps a little casual in our planning, um, which is, <laughs> which is why the family just kept getting larger. I think initially, we thought, I think initially we thought we'd have three kids. And, and, and so, so we did. Yeah. So Gus, we done. Gus, who is our third child was our first last child. Uh -huh. And then, um, and then, you know, five years later, uh, you know, surprise, uh, you know, Megan was pregnant and that, that was not, that was not planned. Um, and we actually had a miscarriage at that point, but we were so, we got, we were so bought into the idea yeah. of having a fourth child that uh, we, got, we went and got pregnant again. And so we had Jasper, who was our, who was our uh, seven-year-old. And, but we just started thinking that our seven-year-old is so far away from our third child, Gus, that maybe, buddy. Yeah, that maybe he needs a buddy. And so uh, we tried for a fifth child and we had another miscarriage. And then, and then we had Cora, mm. who is our, who is our first girl in the family. Who's really, 
changed the dynamic of uh, she's like the, she's like the CEO of the children. Yeah. <laughs> and and we're officially done. We that question is always asked. Okay. Well, I'll answer it. Yes, we are. We are no longer capable of having a child. It truly, unless it would truly be the Holy Spirit like, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> but, but it's fun. So no, we didn't plan it, but but we love it. And we've and here's the thing: we're good. And I, I'm sure with your family, you, you have to be okay with a certain level of chaos. The more kids you you get, the more uh, the more your ability to roll with the punches has to grow. Absolutely. So we're okay with with that those levels of chaos. I think, but we love it. We love it. That's awesome. You know, I come from a family of two, so all these numbers are quite overwhelming. And certainly, when Irene's family get together, <laughs> it's it's and they, they you know they got Spanish heritage, so it's quite an interesting uh, experience. Yep. But um, yeah. how has it been for you guys? You know, for the kids in quarantine. You know, for us, we have just two. We have a teenage daughter who actually she's not she's no longer a teenager. She's twenty. So, but she's first year university. So. Oh. That's been really easy, and my son is just a very phlegmatic guy. So actually, for us, the kids have been easy. How has it been for you guys having five, you know, ra- kids from such a high range in quarantine with you? It's been wonderful. Like it, it's been. This will be what this will be one of my favorite times to think about in life. Um, just having the kids with us and being able to do so many experience life together. And honestly, with their oldest leaving for college at the end of the summer, it's been an, it's been an extra blessing just to be, have the, just to have the added time with them during, during this moment. Yep. Agreed. And I I think the first few weeks it was, it was rockier for them. I mean, this is, this fills up my, my mama heart. Like I could keep these guys here and make sure nobody leaves ever. And I would be pretty happy with that. My, my teenagers are at a, stage and season in life where I don't think that's the plan that they want to see happen. And so, you know, I, I do think the first few weeks were a little bit more rough because everybody was getting used to the idea that, no, I, I, I'm serious when I say you actually can't just go out. No, you can't just go. I know you'll, you'll social distance, but you're not allowed to, you know, like once we got past that, um, I feel like for all of us, it's good because it settled us all and nobody could go anywhere. And so, it forces you just to, and we, we all enjoy being together, period. But when you're forced to, to sit down every single night and, and to be together, it was just, honestly, it's like Chris said, it's been a, it's been fun. And any of the, the challenges, you know, my, my, I'm kind of glad this is a video call because if we walked through, if you had asked us, can, can you, can we tour your house? I would be embarrassed because it just looks, feels a little chaotic at this point in time. Plus we got a puppy. I told you we added a puppy to this mix, but once I overlook those, uh, the, the chaos of all the dishes that we're going through and all of this, it's, it's, we're, we're grateful for this. Season. For 22 years, I have wanted a dog. I grew up with dogs and my wife is just not much of an animal person. And I knew that the COVID-19 virus had finally affected my mind when one evening out of the blue, we're sitting in front of the fireplace and she goes, we should get a dog. Mm. And at that point I knew that that she was now mentally unstable as a result of the coronavirus. <laughs> True. But I took full advantage of it. We went and bought a dog, um, you know, very soon thereafter. <laughs> so it's awesome. been even more. That's awesome. And, and uh, uh, you know, how have you guys managed to maintain a schedule with these, uh, you know, with, with your kids and, and, you know, keep life running? Um, I think, Part of that, again, for us, neither of us are super like type A, we have to have a real tight schedule. And so 
I, I do think that that has helped again, just our own temperaments and personality. But so I would say our schedule has been pretty loose at best, you know, and now they're out of school. So that makes it a little bit easier. But um, I think we just kind of have a general look, everybody, we got to be up by, by this time. And then you got to get your work done. And that, like, I, it's m- much more general, but again, that works for our family because that's how Chris and I function. And so our kids kind of function a little bit more like that. I know for some people, the, you know, some people would need more of a, of a scheduled approach, but, but for us, that's, that's honestly, it's been, it's been easier. But yeah. I think we kind of just take the approach of, okay, what has to get done today and whatever order that happens, at least if by the end of the day it's done, then we don't really care the schedule of how we get there. Um, so we, 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 we stay pretty flexible with it, but we're also pretty comfortable with a certain degree of, of messiness in, in life. Um, noise, like we're, we're, I was walking by my house the other day and I couldn't believe how much noise in our neighborhood was coming out of our house, just bouncing off the other houses because all of our windows were open up like good night. We are just a, a loud, chaotic family, but, uh, we're okay with it. And so I think that helps with the scheduling. Yeah, we. I think we are also relatively similar to that, and that you know, not a super tiger family in terms of you know the schedule and all the rest. But how have your kids responded to online church and you know Zoom fellowship? How have they reacted to that? Well, I think we we kind of have two different families. We have the we have the first family, which is the first three boys, and then we have our second family, which is the youngest kids. And so it, it's affected those two parts of the ki- of the family a little bit differently. The older kids, of course, they just want to leave. They want to go be with their friends. Um, now they, they like, yeah, they, they like church online. They love the idea of rolling out of bed, you know, 10 minutes before church <laughs> and then just walking downstairs and, and viewing. They miss intensely the, the teen ministry and being around everybody and sitting with them in church. And so mm. um, now all of the, they were kind of, already set up with all of their social media platforms to interact on a very consistent basis. And we, you know, one of the things we're finding across the U S is that there's been just a, a whole onslaught of baptisms amongst the youth and family minister because ministry, because the kids are just so much more in contact with one another. People can study the Bible every day. Our third child got baptized during this period of time oh. just because there was just so much more freedom for him to study the Bible. And, um, awesome. you know, he was in so much more contact. And so it's, it's a little counterintuitive. Well, they can't be with one another. They've actually spent more time talking with the youth and family ministry. They've so, done great. Yeah, they've the done. I've been proud of the teens. Yeah, so I think the teens have done really well. Our youngest, you know, that's where, you know, we have kids' church before church online, which is like a half hour of, of videos and music just for the kids. And, you know. Our, our, they like those. They like the, the, the puppies acting out the parables, stuff like that. They like that. Yeah, they're, you know, they're okay. But I think they're the ones that miss out the most by not having church. Because, you know, for them going to church isn't so much about them learning about God, even though they do. Most of their learning about God comes from Megan and I at this point. Um, but it, we want them to love the church itself. Yeah, that's what I think. I do think of church. I was like, it's almost like when we go to church on Sundays, that's a field trip right? That's a field trip for our kids to get to go and, and, you know, learn about God in a different way. But really we do feel deeply it's our responsibility to teach them about God day in and day out. And so um, it really is the, the, the loss of the, their buddies and their, and again, my seven-year-old and four-year-old are not running into, you know, running up to their friends and be like, okay, I got it. Let's go deep spiritually. But they're just running up to their friends and they're loving life. And, they're, and so they're getting a picture of what the kingdom looks like and what community looks like. And, 
So I, they do feel that loss. You know, I feel that loss for them because they and they, they'll have their little FaceTime and little Zoom calls with their buddies. But for the younger kids, it is it's it's a different kind of challenge too. That's so great. Um, I think we're going to have to steal that idea. We don't do kids' church before the, the, the actual church. So I think that's an idea we're going to steal from you guys for sure. Um, but we wanted to mm-hmm. ask, is there any resources that you would recommend to parents, like resources that really helped center your parenting style? Um, I think we have an author that we, we love the things that he writes about parenting. His name is Paul David Tripp. And... Um, He's written a book called The Age of Opportunity, which is transformative for, for me and how my, think, how my thinking. Um, he's written a book called just called simply called Parenting. Um, that's wonderful. His brother wrote a book that I know has been kind of popular in our fellowship of churches, at least here in America, called um, Shepherding Your Child's Heart. Yes. His brother's name's Ted Tripp. But yes. so anything by Paul Tripp, Chris and I have used. We've taught classes out of it. We've had discussion groups out of it. His video series was really good. Our entire youth and family um, ministry in Southland, our old region, uh, went through that together. Um, we also love, even for our, our kids, as they've gotten a little bit older, we've loved the Bible Project, um, watching those videos with them, and um, just giving them a picture, a big picture of, of Scripture the Bible project has been very helpful. Um, and just another small little, little detail. When our kids got old enough to read, we gave them, um, action Bibles. And, and again, I, I, I don't know how readily available they are in say South Africa, but it's basically a comic book Bible, but they kind of grew up reading that. And then they were able to engage with the scriptures in a, in a different way. So those, those are, that doesn't teach you parenting per se, but those are resources we've used that have helped us parent our boys. I think for me, you know, I've got my oldest four kids are, are boys. And, you know, one of the things that is pretty obvious in the kingdom, at least in the U.S., is that, you know, the, the female, the, the teenage girls are becoming Christians at a much higher rate than the teenage boys. And even, even if you look across the kingdom at the elders in, in, our, in our movement, a lot of the elders have have girls, not, not in the movement, but in the U.S., have girls for kids and not, not boys for kids. And so, you know, I think, I think one of the things that I wrestled with is I, I've got to get my, my boys, I've, I've got to get them to love God from an early age, but, and, and not just the church, not just the teen ministry, but they've got to have a genuine love for what God is saying and for his word. And so, you know, when they were, you know, when they probably around 10 or 11, 9, 10 or 11, I, I began taking them out once a week for like kind of a dad's Bible study with them. And, and two of the books that I used that were, I think, really good for them was uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chan, which is not a book about, you know, how to live like a, a Christian or a disciple, but it's very much a book about how to love God, like why God is worthy of love, why he's worthy of devotion. And it was pretty inspiring. Some of the, some of the lessons in there were very inspiring for my boys, which I was grateful for. And so they saw, they began to see God as something that they desired and, and God as someone they wanted to know. And then the other one was a book called Love Does by uh, Bob Goff. And Love Does, first of all, mm-hmm. above anything, is hilarious. Because yeah. this guy is, he's, he's borderline crazy. He's kind of like the guy that just says yes to everything. There's actually a chapter in there where he just does, he says yes to anything anybody asks him to do. But the whole book is about how, how God's love lived out in our lives can give us a life of adventure, a life that makes a big difference in this world. It can change the world around us. It can build friendships for us. And so it was just such a, we would laugh reading that book. And, but again, it was inspired. It made Christianity 
and who God is attractive to my boys. And so those are some of the resources that I've used. Uh, that has been, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing uh, with us. And Chris and Megan, this brings us to the end of our, of our podcast, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing all these ideas with us. And I know Irene and I respect and love you guys so much. And, and uh, yeah, I can't, can't wait to see you at the 2022 World Conference. <laughs> we can't wait to Lord see you willing. guys. Hopefully, Lord hopefully. willing. <laughs> Yes, we've all learned to say that, haven't we? Lord willing. (laughs) Lord willing, that's right. So, guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for the questions. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week uh, with another interesting interview from people from around the world.